1: Welcome inside Fizz Radio. I'm Matt Bonaparte with Jaron May. We've got an action-packed show this morning. First, we're going to go over some fictional betting lines I've made up about this Syracuse team. Then we're going to talk about the revitalized offense we saw against Georgia Tech. Then we're going to bring in Adam Rowe from 27 Sports to preview this matchup with the Blue Devils on Saturday. And then good old
2: Fizz feedback. Jaron, are you pumped? I am so pumped, Matt. Let's get right into it. All right, let's do it, baby. Let's do it.
1: So these are some fizz fictional betting lines that I have conjured up I like it. for our podcast today. We're going to start off with the good old quarterback of this team, Tommy DeVito. The line of at, at passing yards for okay. Tommy is set at 150 Do you think he eclipses that or comes up short, Jaron?
2: Okay. Um, Well, that's starting off great line, Matt. Um, And also, just to clarify, these are all fictional. Matt is making these up. Uh, I'm going to say he's going to hit the over. um, And I say that because I'm looking at his stats right now. And he's thrown for this season uh, 338 yards. Now, he was tossed out or rather not tossed out he was uh he left the pittsburgh game due to injury but against georgia tech he actually had a pretty good game and the georgia tech defense is pretty similar to what they're going to be seeing against duke this upcoming week so I'm going to say he hits the over. I don't think it's by much. Against Georgia Tech, he threw for 194 yards. I think he's pretty close to that mark. I also think that Syracuse is going to heavily rely on their running game, especially since they found Sean Tucker. Um, But I do think that DeVito can hit the 150 easily, um, and I think he's closer to 200 at that point.
1: 194 yards against georgia tech yeah. in week three like you mentioned Jaron, he did eclipse that number but in those first two contests like you said he struggled uh i think that with this new running game syracuse has found it's definitely going to help Devito in that he's not going to have to drop back every single play and look for a pass right. so i also think he's going to get above that 150 number and hopefully lead that syracuse offense to another victory second line for you Jaron. SU rushing yards as a whole, not just Sean Tucker, but okay. as a whole, the
2: team at 110. Oh, way over. Oh boy. Big. Way over. Yeah, Matt, you messed up on this one. I mean, Sean Tucker had a had 112 just by himself. He did. Against Georgia Tech. Um, so here's the thing. Duke, and we'll we'll talk to Adam Rowe about this. They have two really good defensive ends, and we'll get to them a little later here on Fizz Radio. Um they have two really good defensive ends. So, I think that it's going to be a little difficult. I don't see them putting up the 200 or rather uh the 163 rushing yards that they had against Georgia Tech. But they do hit the, they're going to be over 110. I think it's going to be more around 140-150ish. Sean Tucker probably runs pretty comparable to what he did against Georgia Tech, right around the 100-yard mark. Um, which back-to-back 100-yard games from a Syracuse running back, that's like crazy to think about. That hasn't happened. I, I, I don't have the specific stat, but that hasn't happened in a while, at least in my opinion. And then Tommy DeVito, I think that he's going to be for not that he might want to, but he's going to be forced out of the pocket with those edge rushers, so he can pick up a couple yards here and there. We've seen him wanting to go to the run sometimes, um, so he'll probably pick up uh, 20 to 30 yards. And then you toss in Jarvion Howard. In there he'll probably get a couple um and you never know i i think it's going to be over 110
1: this might be the unpopular opinion but i'm going to say under here i i don't think that they're they're going to get up above 110 and i'll tell you why it's those two guys you mentioned chris rumpf and victor dimuke on that defensive line those guys are going to really apply some pressure that sean tucker didn't find against georgia tech and the, the other reason i think that they're not going to get up above 110 rushing yards is because I think they're going to try and alter that offensive scheme, maybe not throw as many rush plays out there and instead try to throw the ball to Sean Tucker. So I think he'll, he'll end up with a really? stat line somewhere along the lines of 60 rushing yards, 40 receiving yards. And I understand that there are other running backs on this team like Jawar Jordan and like, you know, even Tommy DeVito. He's going to be running the right. ball himself and Marquense Pierre if you count him too. So you're going to have other guys running the football, but – I don't think that they're going to... It's going to be as easy as it was against the Yellow Jackets.
2: Okay, okay. So, and I want to clarify, I meant Jawar Jordan earlier. Um, Jarvion Howard obviously has opted out of the season. So you are saying, and let me just get this right, you're saying that you think that Sean Tucker is going to be more of a pass catcher against Duke this upcoming weekend rather than a rusher. I think he's going to have to be. Okay. All right. Uh, Let's just lay this out here. Sean Tucker had one reception against Georgia Tech for zero yards. Well, maybe he'll have more against Duke. I I think that (laughs) the Syracuse coaching staff
1: is not dumb. I think that they're very smart, and I think that they're going into this knowing that Chris Rumpf and Victor DiMuchaje are going to meet them at that defensive line, and they're going to have to find a way around them to win this football game. So I think they're going to know that they have to do something with the ball in the air, still using their best offensive player, which as of right now is Sean Tucker.
2: Wow, that's a bold statement right there. Uh, Sean Tucker is great and I I am a huge fan of him and I can't wait to be able to watch him for the next couple years but I don't know if he's their best offensive player. I mean just going off what we've seen the eye test specifically I think that he has to be. Okay all right I I mean I want to get to some of you more of your lines but uh, I'm not sure if I agree with that
1: one. On to our third fictional line Jaron. SU forced turnovers. This means Turnovers forced by the SU defense. I've got it set at two and a
2: half. Oh, I'll take the over there. Listen. Interesting. The Syracuse defense is fantastic. Last game against Georgia Tech, and I know we're using this Georgia Tech game as the barometer for all of these stats, but to be honest, Duke is a very similar team to, uh, to Georgia Tech. They are both towards the bottom of the ACC, if not at the exact bottom of the ACC. Syracuse is down there, too, so you can't say that. But here's the thing. The Syracuse defense against Georgia Tech had five caused turnovers, and that was without their best man in Andre Cisco. Now, we don't know if is going to be back, um, and while we're recording this, we still are not completely sure if, if he will be playing on Saturday against Duke. Uh, but even if he's not, they forced five turnovers against Georgia Tech now, Duke is even worse in the turnover category. They've turned the ball over, whether it's a fumble or an interception, 15 times this year. That's the worst of any FBS team that has been playing uh, this year. That's crazy. So, we, so Syracuse is leading in cause turnovers. Actually, they're second in the FBS with 10 on the season. Um, only one other team is above them with 12. And then they're playing the worst team that actually turns the ball over. I don't know how you can take the under in this situation. Well, I'll tell you why. I am taking the under. <laughs> uh and, and it's because Syracuse
1: faced a really young quarterback, a freshman in Jeff Sims against Georgia Tech, a guy that really, you know, he hadn't faced a lot of good competition. Uh, obviously they Georgia Tech beat Florida State in that first game of the season, then lost to UCF and lost to Syracuse. But Chase Bryce the quarterback for the Blue Devils, played under Trevor Lawrence. He's played with Dabo Sweeney. He, he's, he knows his way around the block. His stats this season, albeit aren't the best of any quarterback I've seen. He's He's got three touchdowns, seven interceptions. It's not very good. I'll give you that, Jared. Seven but interceptions. I, I think that a veteran presence in college football really means something, especially at the quarterback position. And it's not saying that the Syracuse defense can't do it twice. I don't think that... Uh, it was a fluke. I think this is a very strong defense, but I, I think it, the number that will be two for them. I think they'll have two takeaways, whether that be two picks or a pick and a fumble. I think that they'll have two, but not three.
2: Dude, his his touchdown to interception ratio is three to seven. I, it I'm is just minus I'm not convinced. Four. I'm not convinced
1: within three games that he's okay. not good.
2: Uh, sure, that's fine. If you want to say Chase Bryce is good. I didn't gonna, say that. I
1: said he has he could be good.
2: We okay. gotta give him some time here. Sure, sure, fine. Give him some time. I'm not gonna agree with you on that statement. My thing is the Syracuse defense is known for causing turnovers and the Duke offense is known for coughing the ball up. I think that they hit that two and a half mark very easily. I, I would even go out on a limb and say they could do that in the first like half of this game. Wow.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Wild. <laughs> well, let's get to our final line here before we have to take a break. That line is two and a half for SU touchdowns. Ooh.
2: Ooh ooh. Our ooh. final
1: fictional fizz line here.
2: Um, I am going to go with the over, and I have to say that because I've also said it on our website, and you can go check it out, orangefizz.net. Um, we have our game predictions up already. If you want to go check that out, um, you can go and do that. But in that prediction, I have Syracuse 31, Duke 17. So I've already made my claim that Syracuse is going to score a lot in this game. I'm going to have to back that up, um... I would say, if if I was making this line, I would say two-and-a-half rushing touchdowns might be a little better. That I would be interested in debating. But overall touchdowns, yeah, Syracuse is going to get in the end zone at least three times in this one.
1: I This is the first time I'm going to agree with you here. Yeah, uh, I think—actually, second, I agree with you on passing yards as well. Nice. But I agree because I think that the offense will probably muster two, and I think you might get one from the defense— so really, that's where I'm at. I think you get a pick six.
2: Okay, so you have a pick six. You don't even think that, so maybe, let, let's just clarify. For your offensive take, are you saying they're only getting two? or they? No, I
1: didn't say they're only getting two. I'm saying I can see them only getting
2: two. Okay, okay, I got gotcha. you. I got gotcha. you. All
1: right, well, that wraps it up here for our fictional fizz lines. Be sure to stay with us. Locked on 1260, the score. On the other side, we talk about this revitalized, maybe refreshed offense for Syracuse. Back here with Jaron May and Matt Bonaparte on Fizz Radio. Now, talking about the offense for this Syracuse team. Jaron, against Georgia Tech, we saw Sean Tucker absolutely take over 112 rushing yards and two touchdowns also on the ground. Maybe he did something more than just give this team some offense on the ground. What do you think that does for the Syracuse offense, possibly through the air as well?
2: I mean, it changes the entire complexity of what you can do on offense. For the first two games this season, Syracuse was heavily relying on the, on the passing game. And that just wasn't working, and we've had plenty of Fizz film breakdowns that you can go check out on our website, orangefizz.net, that Tommy DeVito is not good when he has to drop back and make decisions, which is not what you want to see from your starting quarterback, but that's just the honest truth. So when you're heavily relying on Tommy DeVito to be your only option, Um, and you don't have a run game like they didn't against Pittsburgh and like they didn't against North Carolina, your offense is one-dimensional. That makes it very difficult. And now that you have found Sean Tucker, I mean, Jawar Jordan just doesn't seem like the guy. Markenzie Pierre doesn't seem like the guy. You go to Sean Tucker, he explodes. Hopefully he can sustain that. Um, And if he does become a guy, then that completely changes your offense. You can do so much more with it.
1: DeVito this season only 338 yards through the air, two touchdowns, two interceptions on a 50% completion rate. Not really the numbers you'd like to see from a third or a fourth year in the program guy. And going off of what you said, Jaron, I, I really agree that a running game really changes an offense in in its entirety because DeVito doesn't have to drop back every snap now and try to make something happen. So without and also the sack numbers have gone down. You saw seven in the first two weeks each. So and just one against Georgia Tech. So do you think that the offensive line turned well, a corner as well as DeVito or do you think that's just a change in culture?
2: No, I mean, <clears throat> yes is the is the answer. Um, I think the offensive line got a little better. I think just with time they're gonna progress and especially with the shortened offseason and not being able to have uh, spring ball and just all of those factors because of the COVID nineteen pandemic the offensive line struggled in the first couple games. That's expected. They're also not expected to be good. Like, you expect this offensive line to be bad. Um, and that's just something that you have to deal with. Now, the thing is, they only allowed one sack against Georgia Tech because it was Georgia Tech. And it was because that they were running the ball. So there are two factors right there that probably aren't going to be there on a consistent basis. The At least when it comes to this week against Duke, we've already talked about it and we'll talk it. A, we'll talk about it a little more with Adam Rowe as he comes on the program in just a couple minutes. Um, but if you have a good defensive line in front of you, that offensive line is still going to get demolished. If your running game isn't going whatever Saturday it might be, and you have to heavily rely on the passing game, your offensive line is going to get demolished. It's just a matter of a fact because the Syracuse offensive line is not good. Um, they just had a solid game against Georgia Tech. Interesting.
1: I mean, you know how much I love to rag on this offensive line. I could do it all day long, and I have done it all day long on this very program before. So. <laughs> um, but I, I mean, I agree with you. Georgia Tech is really not the strongest defense, not not the, the best pass rushers on that front seven. So I didn't really, I don't think we expected the Syracuse media, media that DeVito was going to be sacked a lot against georgia tech i think that was just a general consensus right um right but i mean going up against duke you've got a couple really good pass rushers on that edge it might be a different story
2: yeah so the the thing and again i i don't really want to preview duke too much right now because we're going to do that with adam rowe in a couple minutes as he joins us here on fizz radio um the thing is this offensive line Will have a couple games, and especially coming off a bye like we are right now, as Syracuse didn't play last weekend and they had two weeks to prepare for this great defensive line that they're about to face. Um, that's really gonna help. They allowed seven sacks against, arguably, actually no, they they allowed. I'm gonna I'm gonna make the point. I'm not gonna say arguably. The Pittsburgh and North Carolina defensive lines are better than Duke's. Duke is probably close to, I would probably say, UNC because Pittsburgh has the best defensive line in the ACC. Um, So having an extra week to prepare for that with this bye in between really helps you because you now get to scheme and you hopefully will be a little more prepared uh, against this Duke defensive line than what you would be if you didn't have a bye, obviously. Here's something else I'd like to bring up and and get your thoughts on, (laughs) Jaren.
1: Taj Harris and this entire receiving core has kind of been under a microscope for the entire preseason and, and the beginning of this season. We haven't really seen a lot of production out of those guys in the first few games. What do you expect to see from Taj Harris and, and do you expect to see guys like Aaron Hackett, Luke Benson and Nate Hines getting involved?
2: Those are two very different conversations and two that we probably should have because the fact that Luke Benson and Aaron Hackett haven't been used is ridiculous. Like they they combined for two catches against Georgia Tech and I don't think they had any in the first two weeks. Um that's a huge miss. That's a huge oversight. When you get into the red zone, if you are Syracuse and Sterling Gilbert or Dino Babers, look to your big men. Like, I know Sean Tucker went off against Georgia Tech, and that's fine. If you want to feed the hot hand, of course that makes sense. But this is three weeks in now, and you haven't even looked at your tight ends. I don't get why. Because maybe you say in the first week, oh, well, the other team is going to be scheming against them and uh hoping and probably keying in on Aaron Hackett because they know that we're going to go to him in the red zone. That's fine. But after three weeks, now the defense is definitely not because the defenses are just going to say they haven't used them. Why would they use them this game? So now catch them off guard and start using your tight ends. I don't understand that why, like what is going in, going on in Sterling Gilbert's head that he doesn't want to use Pro- Aaron Hackett is probably the second best pass catcher on this offense. Do you really- wow. That's a statement. I mean, Nikeem Johnson is fast? Yeah, he's fast. But Aaron <laughs> Hackett is a better pass catcher because okay, maybe Johnson has stickier hands than Hackett, but the thing is when you when you have a tight end and you can bring them out in the slot tight ends are then going to be guarded by linebackers and linebackers obviously are not as good as the cornerbacks that are, that are going to be guarding Nikeem Johnson and Taj Harris. So if you have an athletic tight end, like Aaron Hackett that can take advantage of the linebackers, that's what you should be doing. So that's what makes him a better pass catcher in that, in in those terms. He's not faster. He probably doesn't have better hands, but his matchup is more advantageous for Syracuse. And like you mentioned, Jaron combined Aaron Hackett and Luke Benson
1: this season have two receptions and 11 yards it's absolutely ridiculous like you just said and I I think a lot of fans are, are asking the same questions that we are of why aren't these guys getting used especially when this offense just doesn't seem to have a lot of production outside of the run game
2: yeah I mean they they've only had one successful game so far Like, I don't understand after that first North Carolina game when you didn't go to your tight ends or just, I mean, they didn't really change much of their offensive scheme from week one to week two. They changed it, obviously, from week two to week three once they discovered Sean Tucker. Um, But the fact that you haven't changed between like your game plan between week one and week two to go to the tight ends, I don't understand it. I don't. Um, To go back to your original question for pass catchers, listen, I'm still pretty high on Taj Harris. I think he's a solid option. Um, I loved what I saw from Nikeem Johnson against Georgia Tech and I think that if he can sustain that type of success, that adds another layer to this because well he barely caught the ball in last year like he had his first touchdown. Um, since his sophomore year last week, or I guess two weeks ago against Georgia Tech, if he can be a solid wide receiver too and you start looking to your tight ends, that's a pretty good pass-catching core right there with the the four people that we've already talked about. Yeah, and Taj is,
1: is definitely talented I think everybody's seen that now in his junior season with the team I think everybody knows that he's probably the most talented guy in this receiver core and I think if he can really grow into that role and be that guy that Syracuse needs him to be it'll be a dangerous
2: offense especially if like what you were saying and there's nothing to sustain this this is kind of just us hoping and praying that this happens Um, but if Sean Tucker becomes a pass catcher and he's kind of like a dual threat in the backfield You then can swing the ball out because we know that Syracuse loves doing little dump downs and and screen plays and whatever that may be. Sean Tucker out of the backfield. Then you have Luke Benson and Aaron Hackett as the big guys on the inside and that are very serious red zone threats. And then you have Nikeem Johnson and Taj Harris to be the speedsters on the outside. Like, that is a very dangerous offense. If Tommy DeVito can get it going, like, that should scare opposing defenses. But it seems like Sterling Gilbert hasn't made all of those connections that we just did in 10 minutes here on Fizz Radio.
1: Matt Bonaparte and Jaron May here on Fizz Radio. We're going to take a break, but keep it locked on 1260. Right after the break, we're going to talk to Adam Rowe from 24-7 Sports and really preview this matchup between Duke and Syracuse. Back here on Fizz Radio, Matt Bonaparte and Jaron May, now joined by Adam Rowe of 27, or 24-7 Sports. Adam, thanks so much for joining us today.
0: Absolutely. Glad to be here.
1: First question for you. Syracuse didn't seem to miss Andre Cisco much against Georgia Tech last week, but now facing a more experienced quarterback in Chase Bryce, how will Duke be able to take advantage of Cisco's absence?
0: Yeah, I mean, anytime you have a guy like Cisco on the other side of the field, you have to kind of game plan around him, especially with his propensity to pick the ball off. I mean, he's one of the nation's leading uh, interception defensive back in the country, um, and Chase Bryce has had his issues with, with uh, taking care of the ball thus far this year. He's got seven interceptions already. Uh, I think that's more than I, – I, I can't remember the exact number, but it's like 50 teams overall have. Um, so he's just – he's had a little bit of trouble adjusting to, um, you know, being a full-time starter as well as, you know, fitting into the Duke system um, with that shortened offseason. The, the the team – I think Duke was one of the latest, if not – the latest team to report to practice um, and return to campus. Uh, so Bryce is—he missed all of that time. So while he may have a little bit more game experience than the Georgia Tech quarterback whose name is escaping me now, um, you know, he's still—he's still adjusting. He's still learning. So anytime you can take um, a guy like Cisco off the field, it, it's going to help help with that transition and help him kind of settle in on the carrier dome.
2: This is Adam Rowe of 24-7 Sports down in Durham, North Carolina, who covers the uh, Duke Blue Devils and Jaron May and Matt Bonaparte on Fizz Radio. Um, What I would like to maybe have you do, Adam, is kind of explain to our listeners some of the big names on the offensive side of the ball that they should know heading into um, Saturday's game with Duke.
0: Right. Um, you know, Bryce's favorite t- target so far in the passing game has been Noah Gray. Um, he earned some preseason All-American honors um, as a senior tight end. He's being scouted by the Richie Senior Bowl. Um, he was actually a former quarterback from up in Connecticut in high school and converted to play tight end his senior year of high school. And this has been kind of a standout at Duke ever since. Um, he's got 19 catches on the year so far, 203 yards. Um, and he's got two touchdown passes from, from Bryce. Um, no other, you know, there's only one other passing touchdown for Duke on the year. And that's to another tight end actually. Um, through the, through the air, other than gray, you're going to find, uh, Jake Bobo. He's got 10 catches, another Northeastern guy. Uh, we got Jarrett Garner. They're both like six, three and six, four. Um, Wideouts uh, Garner kind of showed up a, a, in a big way last weekend uh, against Virginia Tech. Caught four passes for like 80 yards. And then Deion Jackson is the running back, uh, starting running back. Uh, he's got 59 carries. And Mateo Durant is his backup, and he's he's actually a pretty explosive runner. He, he just has only carried the ball 29 times so far because Duke's been down so much in the first four games. They really haven't run it that much. <laughs>
1: You mentioned that, that Bryce hasn't really gotten off to the greatest start. He really never got his chance to be the starter at Clemson. Now he's leading the Duke offense. What's gone well and what's not gone well for him so far this season with Duke?
0: Yeah, he's definitely much more of a downfield passing threat than Quentin Harris was last year. Um, you know, Harris in, in the offensive system for Duke really took advantage of, of what, the defensive, what the defenses gave him. Hit a lot of underneath passes. I mean, his, pers- his completion percentage was pretty high, but he was rarely passing the ball down the field more than 10 yards. Um, Bryce is kind of more of a big, big play guy. And with that, you're going to get some turnovers. Um, Duke's offensive line is still adjusting to the new, a new coach. And they've got a, a lot of young guys on the line there. Uh, so while they're, you know, they showed well in, pass- in, in, in run blocking, their pass protection sometimes, you know, will, will fall apart. And Bryce has a, the he's – been, he's been there to hold on to the ball a little bit long. He's not the most mobile guy. Um, so defenses have, have found the ability to take advantage of his, you know, desire to make the big play, hold on to the ball a little bit maybe too long, and then they'll come behind him and, and get, a, get a coverage sack or, and force a fumble or something like that, especially in the red zone. I mean, Duke had real big issues in the red zone the first two weeks um they've gotten a lot better they scored all three opportunities last weekend got touchdowns so we'll see how that goes against Syracuse
2: now heading into a place like the dome that is obviously historic for a lot of basketball games between Syracuse and Duke but now it's on the football field how does, and Duke has not had the best of starts, Syracuse is only one and two as well. Um, what do you think is going on in the mind of the players and the coaches um, heading into a place where either team, it's kind of a toss up, could win this game in a historic place like the Dome?
0: Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I'm, I've never been fortunate enough to play competitive football at this level before um I don't I've never been in a place like the carrier down when it was empty though I mean are they gonna have fans in there
2: no fans it is just piped in noise like every other ACC place
0: it's gotta be the like echoing like a crazy echo in there right I mean exactly. <laughs> yeah I don't know I mean that atmosphere I feel like would be pretty pretty wild to be in um yeah I don't know I mean <clears throat> Duke's got some 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 burners at wide receiver, so I'd imagine they're pretty happy about playing on the turf. Um, as far as the atmosphere goes and the carry down, I, I just, it's hard for me to put myself in that position. Um, but, yeah, I mean, hopefully it's – you know, it was a high-scoring game. The last time these two teams met just have, so it happened that only Syracuse was high-scoring. <laughs> uh, so hopefully we'll get a lot of points out of both teams and it'll just be a fun game to watch. Shifting
1: a little bit towards the Blue Devil defense, Syracuse played Georgia Tech in their last game, and, and they really found their running back in Sean Tucker. He had 112 yards on the ground and a couple touchdowns. But against a stronger Blue Devil front seven, how do you think Tucker will fare?
0: Yeah, I mean, Duke is, Duke is really – Duke's defense in front is really good at getting after quarterback, really good at getting in the backfield. They do have um, – they have shown that they can kind of overpursue at times. Um, and kind of the one weakness on that defensive line, it's starting to get better, but is the uh, defensive tackle opposite Derek Tangelo. Um, and then the running, the linebacker behind him is a guy. Well, that, that alternate defensive end kind of rotates between true freshman or maybe a richer freshman, yeah, Dwayne Carter and uh, Ben Fry. Rise a little undersized. Dwayne Carter's obviously he's young, um, and then the the running back, the linebacker behind him, Duke had a their starting linebacker Brandon Hill opted out of the season before fall camp started, and so what you saw against Virginia Tech was kind of late in the game. They took advantage of the middle of that Duke defensive line and gashed for big gainers. Um, you know, Khalil Herbert ran for over two hundred yards against Duke from the Hokies. So, um, as yeah, like, Duke's going to have to pay attention to that and make sure that, the, that those holes don't open up the middle of the line against Syracuse. Um, but like you said, I mean, the defensive front overall is really solid. Victor Demikiji is, is leading, if not, like, top five in sacks. Chris Romps, All-American. You know, they got a guy named through Jordan who played in the opening. He's really solid, too. So, um, yeah, Syracuse's offensive line is pretty solid, though, from what, I, from what I've read.
2: Yeah, so the Syracuse offensive line is hit or miss, really. I mean, they allowed seven against – seven sacks um, against North Carolina and Pittsburgh, and then they only allowed one against Georgia Tech. But you talked about two names on the Duke side of things, and especially their defensive line with Rump and Demi, uh, Demukeje, where they're two all-American caliber talents um where would and this isn't really talking about Saturday's game but where would you put this area or the the Duke defensive line in terms of all defensive lines in the ACC like I, at least in my opinion I have them top five
0: yeah I mean you're gonna <clears throat> you're gonna start with Clemson obviously but um you know after that I think Duke's defensive line can hold up against I mean any of the others in the ACC uh florida state's defensive line is real solid marvin will marvin wilson um you know you got boogie Basham from from wake forest who's really solid um yeah i mean if you're looking at overall unit though Dukes is right up there you just that that one position that one kind of defensive tackle position is is really where they're they're struggling with experience and what you've seen ben albert is like one of the best defensive line coaches in the country he was from boston college mm-hmm. what you've seen him do is kind of put rump in a, a in the middle there sometimes and kind of just line him up standing up you know no one no technique really just just standing up and trying to find a hole mm-hmm. um and teams towards the end of the last year really had trouble with that i mean that's why he's got he got so much love from like the advanced statistics pff and stuff because he was just darting through the middle and Nobody could really stop him because they didn't know where he was coming from. The offensive lines have done a lot better job of kind of preparing for that this year. But him and Dave Mukasey are the two um, leaders in quarterback pressure mm-hmm. in the country, according to PFF. So, yeah, they're, they're a handful.
1: Matt Bonaparte and Jaron May with Adam Rowe of 24-7 Sports here on Fizz Radio. Adam Duke, 0 four to start the season. Where do you really think their ceiling is within the ACC this year?
0: I mean, they've already lost four games. There's only <laughs> there's only what ten ten conference games and one more, and you're looking at a ceiling of five hundred if they were to win out. I mean, it's just it's gonna be tough for them. They, they you know one of the games that uh, our kind of staff at the Devil's Den was was thinking that they would have a relatively easy chance of winning was Boston College with, um, you know, new, a new coach, a new quarterback, all this, you know, COVID stuff happening in the off season. And they got blown out by, you know, 20 points. So, you know, they, they've got to be looking at Syracuse as, as kind of one of their next hopeful chances to win. And Las Vegas has Duke favored by like two and a half points for some reason. And then um, NC State the following week. I mean those are you know, and then Georgia Tech later on. I mean those are like the three games that you got to be looking at if you're a Duke player, coach or fan that you've got to kind of count on those as wins, but everything else, if they get more wins than that, it's just it's gravy.
1: Quick question for you. This is the last one. What's your score prediction for the game on Saturday?
0: Uh, I think in my preview article, I had it 2824 Syracuse. So
1: right. I'll
0: stick with that. All right.
1: Thanks so much for joining us today on
0: Fizz Radio,
1: Adam. You've been a blast. All
0: right.
1: Have a good one, y'all. Yep. On the other side, we'll do some Fizz feedback and then get out. Thanks so much for listening. Back here on Fizz Radio, Matt Bonaparte and Jaron May. To my favorite part of the show, show I don't know about you, Jaron, but oh, yeah. we're here to Fizz Feedback. Yep. We get to hear from you guys here on Twitter. So our, we put out three polls, first of which reads, who has been the biggest surprise for, for Syracuse football so far this season? The answers were Sean Tucker, Mikel Jones, Jeff Cantanarku, and Nolan Cooney. What say you, Jaron May? <laughs>
2: Uh, I say Sean Tucker, and I think that that is the easy choice. I think that's the right choice. Listen, Mikel Jones, Jeff, Candon, Arku, they're really good, um, and they have been a big reason why the Syracuse defense has been so strong this season Um And they're going to be like mainstays in this defense for a while. I mean, we talked about it on past uh, Fizz radios, and there's also a couple articles on our website, uh, orangefizz.net, about how going into this season the linebackers were going to be the most worrisome just positional unit going into this year. Mikel Jones and Jeff Kananarku have answered that and really helped them out. So they have been great, but you can't, not vote for Sean Tucker and maybe that's recency bias because he had one good game but that game was really really good so I voted for him
1: I happen to agree with you John I think Sean Tucker is really the runaway candidate here and he ended up being for the fans as well 63% of the vote went to him but I also agree with you in that there's definitely uh, an argument for Mikel Jones and Jeff K. Anarchy to be there. As you mentioned, we talked about earlier on a Fizz Feedback about how these linebackers are really going to be the most the, the the part of the defense that struggles the most this season. And those guys have come out and proved us wrong. I mean, they've been very solid in their in their positions. They've been strong. They, they can tackle. Um, something I didn't expect, I don't know about you, but definitely a surprise to say the least. Mikel Jones came in second in the poll,
2: 22%. Jeff K. arkey with 13 I would like to, before we move on here, I need to just get this off my chest. Nolan Cooney was number four on the list, and I understand that Mikhail Jones, Jeff Arku, and Sean Tucker have had great performances. I think we need to put some more respect on Nolan Cooney's name. i mean, Syrac- here for it. Syracuse has turned into Punter U, and it's fantastic. <laughs> he only got 1.9% of the votes, so that's probably, I don't know, one or two votes, I, I assume. Um, I think it's two votes if I do my math probably correctly. Probably his mom and his dad. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but, like, Nolan Cooney is crazy good. And, of course, he's a punter, so you're not going to get that much fame as a punter. But for what he does, he's probably, for, like, the position that he's in, he's probably the best at his position than anyone else on the team They is at their position. And I, I guess probably the All-American Andre Cisco is maybe number one, but I'd put Nolan Cooney number two. I think that's definitely a strong argument.
1: <laughs> uh, I mean, Nolan Cooney has been absolutely stup- stupendous. I mean, he's been incredible. St- like, Sterling Hoffrichter left, and, and he left Sterling Hoffrichter Jr. Right. So, I mean, Syracuse hasn't skipped a beat there. But I can't wait on for our it. second poll. What positional unit does Syracuse have to focus on improving going forward this season? What do you say, Jaren? Uh, I mean... There's the defensive line, the offensive line, wide receivers, and running backs. I mean, for me, I think I got to go wide receivers. It's really the only uh, positional group that hasn't shown any kind of improvement. They, I mean, they played well against Georgia Tech. Nikeem Johnson and Taj Harris both had had a decent amount of yards and a touchdown, but I, I just I haven't seen enough from them. Well,
2: the wide receivers are struggling because the quarterback is struggling so it's not because the wide receivers it's because the quarterback and the quarterback is struggling partly because of his he's to blame because he's made some bad mental mistakes and not going through checkdowns and whatever it may be but it's mostly because the offensive line is struggling so I'm going to say the offensive line um I think that that's still their weakest unit I thought it was going to be the linebackers going into the season linebackers have answered the call offensive line hasn't they had one good game against this very subpar Georgia Tech team and now they're going to be going up against yet another really good defensive front so I think they're going to be tested again this Saturday against Duke Um, I think that is still their biggest weakness when it comes to Syracuse football this season The fans
1: agree with you, Jaron. 83% of the vote went towards the offensive line. However, I don't agree with you. I don't think that this offensive line is as to blame... As Tommy DeVito is himself, I I mean, I've seen it time and time again where the offensive line creates a solid pocket around DeVito, gives him some time to find a play, and it still ends up turning into a sack because DeVito doesn't move or he doesn't make a play in time. So I just don't think I can continue to blame the offensive line. Last season, sure, they were absolutely abysmal. Aaron Service on the inside just wasn't the move. But they moved him outside this season. Chris Elmore was a big question mark, but he's kind of held his own at that position. And I, I think you really can't blame them at this point. So no. Tommy DeVito is to blame more than the offensive line for me, and the wide receivers are the ones that have to really improve.
2: Sure, and yes, I will put a good amount of blame on Tommy DeVito's shoulders, but the offensive line also has to. Like when you look at who has been just like, if we want to take the defensive line and the running backs out of this conversation, because those were the other two options here on our Fizz feedback that you can go find on our Twitter page at Orange Fizz. If you just want to talk offensive line and wide receivers, the worst unit out of those two is the offensive line. It just is. Ah, uh, I don't, I mean, I disagree. I don't think the
1: wide receivers have been good. But the offensive line also hasn't been good. I think it's been better than the credit it's been given. Okay. And I think there's an argument I don't to think say that the offensive line has credit. been
2: better than the wide receivers. I don't think the offensive line has been given any credit. Well, that's my point. Okay. All right. Well, all right. Maybe I just walked myself into a corner there. I kind of got lost in your argument. Either way, I'm still going offensive line. All right. That's fair.
1: (laughs) On to the last poll that we've put out for this week. How many turnovers will the Syracuse defense cause this week against you? Something we talked about back in the first block of our show. Two was the big winner here. 56% of the people on Twitter voted for two. Then three, which is what you think, Jared.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So during our fictional lines that you made up, Matt, you set the line at two and a half. So that's a very good, at least in when we look at this poll, that was a pretty good line. So props to you. Um, Thank you. Appreciate it. So like you said, 57% of the people with two, 24% of the people with three or more. I'm with that three or more. I voted for three or more because the thing is... like, I'll repeat what I said. Maybe you haven't, you just tuned in to Fizz Radio. It's Jaron May and Matt Bonaparte. But Matt, the Syracuse offense is, or rather the Syracuse defense is second in the country in causing turnovers. The Duke offense is dead last in the country in actual, like turning the ball over. Or if you want to say they're first in the country in the most turnovers, you can also put it in that perspective, whichever way you want to look at it. They've coughed up the ball 15 times already this season. Syracuse has 10 takeaways. That is strength against weakness going head-to-head, and the strength is going to win. I think that they get three. I think that they probably will end up actually getting four is my ultimate opinion And I think that they, like I said earlier, I think that they could get three in the first half and then maybe add a fourth in the second half. If it doesn't come to fruition that way, I still think that they can get to four by the end of the game. Well,
1: Jaron, that is why they played the game. (laughs) Uh, That'll do it for Matt Bonaparte and Jaron May this week on Fizz Radio. Please join us next week. Thank you for
2: listening.